Welcome back to the Embodied Remembrance podcast. My name is Jasmine and I am the host for your for this podcast. Just a little bit of a, a little warning or just a little bit of a heads up. There's a little bit of background noise today. I've tried to sit down and record this podcast episode, episode a few times. Um, and there's always been a dog barking out in the gardens behind the houses um, or a car or a motorbike zooming by very loudly so there is going to most likely be a little bit of background noise so I do hope you're able to stay with it. I realised that out of almost 60 podcast episodes I have never really shared my own kind of process and journey into the work that I offer, in particular around rebirthing breathwork and embodiment. Um, I think about early last year I did a podcast on how microdosing has supported me personally. Um, and I realised that I had never done an episode on how embodiment and rebirthing breathwork had been so supportive and so pivotal in my journey. And at the moment, these have been kind of like the foundations of what I share with women. And although the microdosing opportunities to work with me are starting to come back this spring, um, yeah, I feel like there's a there's a big chunk of my why and my work and kind of sharing my why around my work missing from this podcast. So I, I thought tonight would be a really nice one to share a little bit about how how I found embodiment and how I found rebirthing breath work. So I'm going to start with embodiment because I've been on this embodied journey for many years um I think I first it was the first time I ever kind of found myself in an embodiment workshop was back in I think it was early 2018 I did my first I found myself in my first embodied workshop and at that point I was working as a yoga teacher. So if you don't know already, my my background was yoga. That's kind of how I found myself on the path that I'm on now. I qualified as a yoga teacher um, back in October, no, November 2015. And then started officially teaching 2017. It took me a little bit of time to integrate in the training and yeah, begin to start to come into actual yoga teaching. So it was through my yoga teaching kind of practice that I actually ended up finding embodiment. And I found embodiment through the lens of there's so many different layers to embodiment and I, this is the thing I absolutely love about it. There's no there's no wrong way in 
And for me, the way in was um, through embodying parts of my body, like the lungs, the heart, the digestive system, the cells. So I had this very, very beautiful inroad into the body through through the tissues, through the fascia, through the fluids, through the organs. And it tapped into something within me that just woke woke me up to how much wisdom and knowing we hold in the body. And it was really from there that I, re I started to transform my own teaching, way of teaching into more embodied explorations. So I was teaching aerial yoga and hot yoga predominantly. Um, even up until that point, even like continuing on until I um, kind of started to phase out my yoga teaching title, so to speak. Um, but there was this layer of kind of just starting to draw in this more embodied embodied way of teaching. And I, th I find that I actually already had this quite embodied way of teaching because there was this underlying knowing, knowing that I, I, I can look back on and like see in how I was teaching my very young younger years as a yoga teacher where I was always inviting people in, into their bodies, like coming in, feeling the sensations, feeling the, feeling how that posture kind of invokes something. Um, and when, <laughs> always makes me laugh because the, the hot classes can be very much more kind of bring in more of a clientele that desire to have like a workout. So sometimes my classes were were less preferred because of that 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 desire for me to bring you into your body as opposed to destroy your body with 10,000 planks which I am really really good at by the way I'm, I could be a real drill sergeant yoga teacher but also the embodied embodied way of teaching really just allowed me to soften soften all the way in to the feeling state, to the wisdom of the body. And I remember the first, uh, on my yoga teacher training, and this is going back before I, I um, had explored embodiment. So I did a very traditional Hatha yoga practice. You know, my, my training was very traditional Indian. I did my training in India and it was very, very masculine, very rigid, very strong. You'd be holding each pose, like Hatha poses, like, you know, standing poses, like tree pose, all the warriors, all the balances, all of the the planks, the downloads, all of the things um, for like up to five minutes. It was so strong, it got so strong after that because um, it was over like four weeks and then I continued on for the rest of the time I was there doing like one to two classes a day. It was full power. Um, I remember in one of the training classes where we were um, 
inner practice, the teacher came over and adjusted me in a forward fold, a seated forward fold, and I, I, I folded over. It wasn't, it wasn't forced or pushed, but it opened something within, within the back, my back, uh, the back of my, sorry, my lower back and my pelvis and my hamstrings, which are just naturally quite a, a kind, uh, a space that holds a lot within my body, and I just burst into tears. It just opened something up within me. It shifted something so deeply rooted within me and I just was in tears and tears and tears for two, I don't know, it was like maybe two hours. It was for a really, really long time and it wasn't, it was just this release that needed to happen and it was so beautiful and this was that one, one of those moments really early on in my journey of recognising how much we store in our bodies so the knowing was there, but then there was this disconnect over the next couple of years of how to kind of go back in, in that way. So it was, tw uh, yeah, twenty early 2018 that I was then able to kind of really see that it was embodiment is that kind of pathway in. So I ended up doing a training, my first embodied yoga training in 2018. No. Yeah, in 2018, no, I don't know the time timeline, I'm not going to get fussed about it. Um, and that really allowed me to continue to open up to my own practice of embodiment. And yeah, I had, had the space and the opportunity to continue to come into my own practice of embodiment, which is, you know, we can only take and guide guide people as far as we've we've been within ourselves so this ended up being a really beautiful practice and process for me over the years that enabled me to tap into a lot of parts of myself that were very fragmented a big part of my my process and why I am personally so devoted to bringing women back into the body is because a lot of my my journey especially in my younger years, was I was so disassociated, so disassociated. Like it was physically so terrifying for me to be in my body. I remember my mum saying to me once, my mum moved out to Malawi in Africa um, when I was 21 for, mm, I don't know how long, oh, almost a year I think. And I went out to visit her, and I'd just been, got back from Thailand, gone, turned 21, then went out to visit her. And all the while I was there, I was saying, oh yeah, I'm going to go here next, I'm going to go here next, I'm going to go here next. And there was no part of me that was present to the fact that I was sat in this beautiful, beautiful country with this sun beaming down on my skin you know these expansive views and these wonderful people around me and my mum was like you're never here you're never here you're always planning what's next and that really hit something within me where I was like that's true that is, there's n there's no part of that that's false it was so true and over time I realised it was because I was so deeply disassociated that it was 
I just couldn't at that point in my life be here because it felt deeply unsafe in the body and that's been a huge piece in my journey because I've had a lot of experiences within my life where it has been or it has felt to be very very unsafe to be in the body and that I, I'm someone who who is blessed to have a, a, a wide range, a full spectrum of feeling states and I am very blessed in the sense that I can hold a lot of that but I never used to be able to because I never had the tools to hold that for myself, you know, um, without being that stereotype, I'm a Cancerian, <laughs> we've got some big emotions also like my, my my family lines you know we have such tender hearts and such such tools to protect ourselves from it so there, there's all of these kind of moving parts that that just kind of created this perfect storm of deep disassociation deep disconnect um, from the pain that I felt within my body so even though being a yoga teacher and having having a yoga practice and all of this it didn't really hit where it needed to apart from this one one experience within my teacher training i knew it was good for me i knew i knew that the yoga the yoga the yoga was doing something but it wasn't what i required in in those moments it it wasn't what i deeply needed for myself there was something that it required another layer and that's where my my journey with embodiment was 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 born from and so from from this this journey of embodied yoga so to speak the the journey really began to, uh, to open up into more of the realms of feminine embodiment and this almost this embodied aspect of shadow work and the unconscious and the subconscious within and and I began the process of doing multiple different trainings along along the road to where I am now to really refine how and what it is that I offer in a very unique way and there's been this really beautiful pull onto all of these things whether they are super obvious or slightly more subtle there's this deep knowing within how I hold and guide women through. It's like I know, I know if this is something within their bodies doing this, then it's pointing to something doing this, and that's because I've also experienced that within myself, but also within many other women's processes. It's just this this continual reminder when we're working with the body and with embodiment is that the body is always speaking to us and one of the things that embodiment has really really taught me and that has really allowed me to see within myself is all of the areas that I want to close all of the areas within myself that I want to hide and shut down because it doesn't feel safe all of the parts of myself that I, I really wanted to avoid and actually what what was being asked of me was to lean in 
and to lean in in a way that I can hold myself there without rejecting what's coming up. You know, sometimes our own experience, our own internal dialogue, our own internal experience can be one one massive hellscape. And that's what it was for me, it was this massive hellscape where I didn't feel safe in my body. It didn't feel, I didn't feel good enough. I didn't feel like I was worthy of anything. I didn't feel like I was lovable. That that I could take up space. That my my voice was worthy. And embodiment and breathwork gave me the space to lean into all of these. Because everything that I was looking for outside of myself and kind of my, a big pattern of mine previously was I really wanted to be rescued because I was the victim. I saw myself as a victim so much that I just wanted to be rescued from my own turmoil. And I just wanted to give it to someone else because I didn't want to deal with it. I really, really didn't. I just wanted it to go away. I wanted I was looking everywhere for, for people who could fix me, that could could take the pain away for me. And it was one of the most deeply disempowering ways of being because no one can offer you that. No one can give that to you. You have to be able to access that within yourself. And that's, that, that's been the powerful piece with, with the work, this work, embodiment and rebirthing breath work. So I started um, my rebirthing breathwork journey. This is a funny story <laughs> because I think people might have like always think there's this like really glamorous view of how we come into practices and facilitation. Full disclosure, it was 2020 pandemic and I was hella bored. <laughs> so I'd been doing some really beautiful work with a woman called Karina Kalina. And I've been doing some voice activation with her for, I don't know how long it was, maybe a couple of months in the early, early days of the pandemic. And I really enjoyed working with her. But she kept on speaking about this thing called rebirthing breathwork. <laughs> and I was like, I'd really like to continue working with Karina. So... I was like, cool, let's do this rebirthing breathwork thing and see what it is. So I signed up for 10 one-to-one -one sessions with no idea what it was <laughs> because I was bored. <laughs> and I'll be honest, the first few sessions, I was... I was still quite out of my body in some ways. I'd come in in some ways, but I at that point in my my journey, I'd probably spent the past year like moving through quite a big big process from like April 2019 to like like June 2020. I was in quite a big process. I mean, weren't we all? But um yeah, and it was kind of in the midst of that. So 
there was quite a lot for me to kind of digest but in the first few sessions I was like what 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 have I just signed up for and it actually took me a little bit of time to really arrive into oh shit this is absolutely amazing like I find sometimes now even though I've been working in this field so I did start I did my training in October 2020 um and so I'm yeah coming up to like four years into facilitating this work and I'm still blown away by how transformative it is I've I've likely I think I've guided about 500 people total through rebirthing breathwork over these past three and a half ish years and each time the 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 feedback, the response, the way people come out and you see their eyes bright or they're like, oh my goodness, what was that? Or, you know, they've, their eyes may be slightly red if they've had an, a release. But it's just this this deep power that comes through the breath. And, and, and when I really started to receive the breath, I really began to receive what it is to be in life, to be be receptive to how life is starting to like coax you open and this is where you kind of have this this beautiful crossover within within my work is this the rebirth and breath work and the embodiment allow you and enable you to really have that somatic experience to that the breath can really allow you to access allows you to access like the stored emotions in your body any unprocessed like trauma energy grief anger anything that's really there underneath the surface that allows you to to move through in a way that is very tender and very, I don't want, ever want to say that rebirthing breathwork is gentle, but it works with you on a, on a level, I found, where it will always meet you where you're ready to open. So because you're working with nose breathing, with rebirthing breathwork, it doesn't go in, in the sense of it doesn't, you're, you're not meeting your experience through a stress response which is what can happen with some of these mouth breathing we've got little reg here assisting this podcast um (laughs) we can't have any 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 situation without a chatty catty at the moment um yeah so what can happen sometimes with the mouth breathing breath works is because you're activating your stress response it can be quite a almost like a hard and fast experience where yes you get you you may get this massive emotional release and you may have this massive, massive, massive experience that really feeds this need for need for speed and this need for, you know, big explosive experiences, which in essence usually feeds a pattern that we hold. You know, 
it usually feeds the pattern of wanting extremes in our lives that we need to feel loads to have you know got loads out of it whereas rebirthing breathwork holds this this deeper potency where you can have this this I'm I'm think I've just got a vision of like a group session where you can have people having such a variety of experiences where maybe there's some people crying maybe there's bodies shaking maybe there's there's people feeling their anger their grief their pleasure their joy some people are up in the ether some are having a lot of strong sensation in the body and it holds a power on such a different level that because it brings you in through the parasympathetic nervous system so the rest and digest I believe it allows us to go in deeper because if we go in slow we can go in deeper whereas if we go in hard and fast Yes, we can have these really explosive experiences, but we can also have this massive collapse afterwards. So it's like this, this everything I speak into around um, within embodiment is this force and collapse. If we, if we force something, if we're continually pushing and striving and, you know, forcing our way forwards, the only way from that is collapse back the pendulum swing if you, if you swing far one way too far you're going to go straight back the other way and actually what happens is it can actually be really depleting for people to be constantly in that type of um stress response so that's why i'm i'm really big that's why I'm a fan of rebirthing breathwork because it allows you to go deep and it allows you to have these really profound experiences now that doesn't not mean that you may not have experiences where you feel a little bit like squiffy or a little bit like up and down over the next couple of days but it actually gives you the space to really be with what's here instead of like blasting yourself so far out and open that it's actually hard to integrate whatever it is that you experience back into your body. So it's been this really beautiful combination of embodiment, feminine embodiment, this this nervous system work and this this deep connection with the body alongside, yeah, the rebirthing breath work that's really allowed myself to stay present in my body throughout whatever life is offering me now at this point if it does feel really really important to bring in the plant medicine aspect so if you have been here for a while you know that I have a, um, a background in working with plant medicines at the moment I'm predominantly working with rose and mugwort and cacao and have previously and will be bringing more and more in um, working with um, different med uh, mushroom allies so teaching on like amanita 
wisdom and psilocybin wisdom and how they can support us. Especially love working with the these types of medicines in microdosing form because I find with everything that I do is this like beautiful slowness, this slow, steady unfolding is at the root of my work, you know, at the pace of your body. And I I love I love working for myself, like on a personal level. From time to time working in ceremony with these these plants in larger ceremonial doses however um, within my within my field and within my space there's something really beautiful about how how the plant work whether that's rose or mugwort or amanita or cacao can really really tie in so nicely to how we work with the body when we're working in smaller doses or with with medicines that you know can actually create space for like deeper embodiment so as an example rose is a really beautiful example of um boundary work so when we think of the rose we of course we think of these beautiful petals and you know sometimes we can can really get caught by her her beauty in in the petals and the and the rose and the, and in the actual flower part of the the rose, but the rose also has like thorns. And what we can do when we're working with with medicine like rose is we can we can we can take the wisdom of the thorns and we can take the wisdom of the thorns and be like okay this is pointing to my my boundaries my boundaries here ah. That I'm, I'm I'm meeting so many so many experiences within my life right now, and all of my boundaries are being um, crossed, and it's really starting to activate. And we can work with the medicine of the rose and the teaching of the rose to bring that in to your life in an embodied way, through the lens of your body using your body as a way to really hone in on when a boundary's crossed, when it feels like your boundary's been crossed, how does that sensation feel? And then starting to build that 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 boundary for yourself. So there's these really beautiful ways of like weaving all of these these intricacies in. But for me the the kind of the combination and and the, the foundations of my, my work and how I serve and how I've like served myself through this, the, these powerful teachings is allowing myself to feel through creating safety within my body. Even in moments where the sensation or the emotion did not feel predominantly safe to my system having the tools and techniques to still go there, whether or not it, like, I approve of it or not. And actually allowing myself to open to it and to hold it. Because one of the things, and I, I believe very much so, is that it is so important to have the nervous system tools at our disposal to... Um, resource us to to know how to come back into a re regulated space but regulation becomes an excuse not to feel the thing 
and actually what becomes that can then be, yeah it becomes the excuse to not feel the sensation underneath so there's this 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 beautiful dance of knowing that you have the tools can I, can you actually be okay with the discomfort of holding what's there and the holding what's there so that it can open you because if we continue to place regula regulatory tools onto ourselves and we, we, we are essentially just ignoring the thing. We're ignoring the thing and not actually allowing ourselves to go there and not growing and expanding. So it's beautiful to have the tools and this is, this is one of the things that this work offers is it's actually like you have the tools, but when are you using the tools as an excuse to not feel the thing? So actually what, what, what my work does is for myself and for others is like, can you actually hold yourself in that discomfort and allow it to carve you open? Like this hollow bone, this carving, this, it's almost like it's shaping you because a lot of what life does is it creates these stories these narratives, these beliefs, these conditions, you know, we have our, everything passed on to us from our family systems, through our school systems, through our work systems, through our own systems, you know, through our partner's systems, through friend, friendship systems, we have all of this placed upon us and, and we, we get to like our mid-twenties-ish and we're like, oh shit, there's so much here. Um, and it's like, oh my God, like, who am I? Am I? And you, you, you get so lost in the kind of the quagmire that of of this of of the these narratives and beliefs that you 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 almost lose the essence of who you are. And I was having having this like conversation with the women in vessel. Um, at the beginning of this week is like you know a lot of powers coming online in the space like feeling that power in the body and you know sensing that and it's it's so beautiful to witness and and it's one of these things that actually what happens is we we're, we're coming we're coming out of all of the layers of like stories and like distorted views on who we are and what it is to to be in this existence and we're actually coming into this deeper part of ourselves where we're like oh shit under all of these stories and these layers and these identities is this really 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 powerful place and that lives within so in the in the world of the work that i offer is this this unbecoming of all of these stories that have in essence kept you safe in some way because they've kept you small you know these identities these stories these beliefs they do a really good job of keeping you small and keeping you feeling like down and they're really good at that you know <laughs> they're so good at doing that but there's this bigger thing within us that is always going to be like calling for our attention until we listen and the call will get louder and louder and louder until we have no choice but to listen and that can be you know 
quite full on sometimes. So this is this is just a really yeah. Yeah, it's, it felt really, really nice to just share a little bit around how this work has worked me. I did share a little bit around, well actually I shared a lot within my victim consciousness immersion that I ran on over the weekend around how this, if I hadn't done this work, I would not be doing what I do now. Not be also not because not only because I believe in it so much, but I would not have the courage to do this work. I'd be so stuck in my own story. I would be stuck as victim, and you can't be a victim of life, of circumstance, and follow your dreams. The two cannot exist at the same time. They really, really can't because your dreams take responsibility. They are a space of responsibility that you you need to step up to if that is what you want. And being like on the victim consciousness paradigm and having dreams of a life that is far more aligned for you is, is never, you, 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 one's got to go. And you get to choose which one stays and which one goes. And most people's preference, deep, deep, deep down, will be the victim consciousness and all the stories and all the identities go. And to choose the dream, to choose the thing that's the most fulfilling and the thing that brings most aliveness in. We have to take the step and actually fully show up for that and to devote time for this. Um, I said, I said today to someone, it's like this this work can feel so wildly inconvenient, so deeply inconvenient for for the ego, because it is. It's inconvenient for the ego, for the part of you that wants to stay small, and have this like life that feels easy, but unfulfilling you know this work is inconvenient because it's going to ask you to look and explore all of that for yourself and see where you are actively participating in keeping yourself small and that bit is the the crunchy bit <laughs> the real crunchy bit because it's like oh okay oh, can I, I can make a change cool okay i see that i can't unsee that now I really can't unsee that, but only I can do something about that. And that's the thing that gets people is like, oh shit, I'm the one that's going to have to do something about this. There's no one else to. I can't hand it over to someone. Can't hand it over to my partner. Can't hand it over to my mum. Can't hand it over to my work colleagues, whatever, whoever it is. It's like, oh, it is. It's down to me. There's no one else here to do it. And that's the thing that people are like, oh shit, what am I meant to be doing? Like how, how am I meant to move forward from this? And this is where you do find the support that allows you to take the steps you need. And that doesn't mean that you're going to get a 10 step plan. I would actually say if anyone offers you that, run the other way. 
because there is no 10 step plan to anything. They're just gimmicks, especially when you're working with the body. But if you are like this, if this resonates, please reach out. Reach out and see what what pathways of support can support you the best. Even if it's not within my work or within my space, find someone that feels aligned and allow yourself to have that support, to have that space, to create the changes that you need and require within yourself so that you can meet life on this level that feels resonant to you. So that you can feel safe in your body, so that you can hold yourself through your darkest days, so that you can come into connection with those around you from a space that is grounded within yourself and not from a space that's playing out narratives and identities that kind of keep you stuck in a swamp of disconnect and not actually being fully seen. Can you allow yourself to step into this work so that you can find the right way of living for you, so that you can orientate inwards to yourself for the answers, as opposed to going externally and being like, hey, what should I do? You can actually be like, okay, this has come up, life is pointing me in multiple directions, this is the correct way, or this is the way that feels most true for me at this moment. It's about coming into deeper responsibility for your own life, your own body, your own way of being, and trusting that when you really listen in, that your body's got you. Even when it's saying something that you don't approve of, because it will do that sometimes. Because the body doesn't lie. Yeah. So, with that, I'd love to invite you, if any of this has resonated, to join me. Join me in Vessel, my online women's membership. This is a slow, steady, very, very deeply nourishing space for you to arrive in as you are and get stuck into whatever feels alive. There's six months worth of um, teachings already up for you and then we are about to start March. March's theme which is on self-responsibility. And we're going to be looking at self-responsibility from a few lenses this month. So self-responsibility and the responsibility of living, the drudgery of responsibility as some people like to call it, um, our choices and how we, we choose to walk through life, liberation through self-responsibility, responsibility versus blame, this is a big one for women in particular, and then self-responsibility um, We'll be exploring it as 
from, through the lens of it not being yet another exp excuse for being hyper-independence and not reaching out for help. Um, and then also this, this beautiful being responsible for life and responding to life as it comes up. That's a really powerful one. And then finally, we're going to be looking through the lens of being responsible for the power of your body. Because it's all there within you. So those are those are going to be the themes or the threads through March. And then, yeah, there's six months worth of content there as well. Teachings there for you to get yourself sunk into as well. And then if you are feeling the call for a little bit more of a one-to-one -one experience, my one-to-one -one spaces are open. So I have embodiment coaching or I have one-to-one -one rebirthing breathwork and embodiment coaching as well. I also have a new 12-month mentorship which is opening up in the coming weeks and this is the full shebang everything is in there um, what I'm going to offer is I'll leave my links for everything in the show notes as usual and I will pop a link to book a connection call for any of the membership or one-to-one -one options and then we can have a conversation if you feel called to some of some of my work some of my spaces where you can then make an informed choice of what is the correct pathway for you at this time. I feel like that is complete now. I hope that the sound, I will check the sound um, before publishing. I hope there hasn't been too many sounds or distractions in the background. I live on such a gorgeous little street um, in a very old mill cottage and there's single glazing. So as, as the world wakes up for spring, sometimes there's a little bit more noise out on the street as we go into the warmer months. So it's, it's sometimes a little bit tricky to find the full silence of <laughs> for recording these podcasts. But I hope it's been okay and I hope you have a beautiful rest of your week.